Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Hello and welcome to episode 163 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me. I can't believe we're like well into December already. And when this is actually released, it's going to be halfway through the month already. It really does seem to fly by as the older I get, the months fly by faster and faster and faster. Anyways, if you are just joining me, my name is Shvanki. I'm a physician, a family medicine physician, as well as an obesity medicine physician, and I'm a certified life coach. And my passion is helping physicians not only know what they should do to lose weight, because often as a physician, you probably know that already, but more importantly, to fill in the whys. The why is it so hard to do what you know you quote unquote should do when you're tired at the end of a busy day, when you've been on call. All of these different things factor into making it more difficult to lose weight and feel in control of eating when you're a physician. And along with that, my passion is designing solutions, helping physicians find solutions that are customized for them because that's what lasts and are things that they actually enjoy. Because as long as you hate losing weight, if you hate what you're doing to lose weight or eat healthier, it is not going to be sustainable. In order for it to be sustainable, the only way for it to be sustainable so the weight loss actually lasts is for it to be a customized approach, meaning you take information and you take tools and tricks, but then you are the one that decide what actually is going to work for you, for your body, for your life, for your preferences. And that's what I do inside my coaching programs and what I help you do through this podcast. Now, I have a great free course. It's called the Weight Loss Kickstart Course. So if those ideas that I just shared with you sound great, then make sure you've gotten access to this course. It's an online free course. The videos are short, but very focused on what are the things you need to do to start losing weight. And don't worry, you can start losing weight even in December. Again, you have to design a customized approach through the holidays that's going to work for you, but you can do it. So head over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash kickstart. Kickstart is all one word. That's weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash kickstart to get access to that free course. There are tons of really good tips in there about getting started in a way that's actually going to last. So losing those first few pounds in a way that will get you through to your goals too. Because uh, if the mistake we often make is we start losing weight by being like really restrictive, really depending on willpower, and then surprise, it doesn't last. So what this course is about is taking a different approach, going from where you wa- actually want to end up and designing it based on that, not based on what you're willing to tolerate in the short term. Okay, head over, get access to that free course if you don't already have access to it. Now, today's episode is if you have ever hated food journaling or dreaded the idea of food journaling, or berated yourself because you should be food journaling, but you don't, today's episode is for you. I'm going to be troubleshooting food journaling. 
I'm going to give you all my tips about what actually makes it difficult to food journal and how to tame it so it becomes something that's useful for you, not you trying to kind of chase after the golden chalice of regular food journaling. All right, hang in there. I've got lots of really good tips about that. I wanted to just share a bit of stories. Number one, today I wanted you to know I'm recording this podcast episode in my snuggly. That would be essentially a giant blanket with a hole in a hood on it and some sleeves because I was out all morning. Do you ever find this when you do a workout and then if you don't have time to shower right away, you get super, super chilled? So I was out this morning. I went and did a workout and then had to run some errands and then ended up a bit late. So I met my family to meet for lunch before my husband had to leave town for work and uh, didn't get to shower for kind of hours after. And I was so chilled. And I knew I had to come downstairs to the basement and record this podcast for you. And when I'm recording a podcast, I can't have the furnace on because the microphone picks it up and creates background noise. So I am recording a podcast in a snuggly. All snuggly wearers unite. And if you don't believe me, or if you want to check out this super fantastically fashionable piece of attire, make sure you head over to the YouTube channel. Check me out on YouTube. If you haven't yet, yes, we have a YouTube channel. Most of the podcast episodes actually get uploaded there. So if you are a video person, you like to watch video instead of just listen, and you want to check out my snuggly, head over to the YouTube channel. Okay. I'll put the link for the YouTube channel in the description of this podcast episode so you can easily find it if you're really curious about it. Now, Food journaling is something I've been thinking about over the past week or so in great detail because I've started an accountability challenge both in my stress eating SOS program, that's my program for physicians, as well as with my obesity medicine patients. And so both of them have a private Facebook group. And so we're doing a food journaling challenge with each of those groups. And the reason why I started this being the beginning of December is, number one, I know that so many of you out there are thinking... I really should be food journaling, but it's so hard. I can't get myself to do it. I don't like it when I do it. All of these things. Those are all things we're going to talk about in this episode. But also December is a month where eating can be like a really slippery slope where you can start the month thinking, you know what, this year it's going to be different. I'm going to eat differently. I'm going to stick on my plans. And then all of a sudden you find yourself sliding. And I think this is a really good example of where food journals can be a very useful tool which is why I started it in the groups. And in my groups too, I was feeling people just needed a little bit of a kind of accountability, a little push to keep some of these habits going or keep working on these habits. And I thought this would be a really good way. And so what I'm teaching inside those groups is how to food journal. So much more detailed than what I can cover in this podcast episode that you're going to get a lot in this episode too. But how to food journal plus inside the stress eating SOS group I'm actually food journaling along with them and posting my journals, the good, the bad, and the ugly, which I don't necessarily like that term, but I'm using it because I am real life journaling alongside with them and posting. And so when the journal doesn't, it's not the journaling doesn't go well, but when my eating doesn't go to plan and things like that, I'm journaling all that. And I'm showing everybody, all the physicians in that group, how I actually approach it, how I use this as a tool to help me in my own healthy eating and weight loss. And so if you are a physician and you want a program that helps you lose weight, helps you feel in control of your food, helps you make your life better, where you love your days more, you feel more relaxed, you enjoy your family more, and you want one where you have a coach who 
is walking the walk alongside you where you can see the inside track of how to do these skills and how to apply them in real life inside a physician's life, then this is the program for you. Now, it's not open for registration right now, but we're opening back up January 18th. So mark that in your calendar and head over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS to get your name on the wait list so that you're first to hear when we start opening the doors. You're first to hear of anything extra that I plan between now and then and to get your name on the list so that you get a spot because if that all sounds good, if you want to lose weight and you want to do it in an approachable environment where you're supported from all sides, anything goes. There is no level of eating. There is no level of weight that is like too much, too far gone. We cover it all. We cover binge eating. We cover stress eating. We cover just, you know, struggling with eating on your plan and everything else. Get your name on the wait list. Weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS. And like I said, January 18th, marketing your calendar, guys. That is when the doors are opening again for the January group. All right, let's talk about food journals. Where do we get into trouble with food journals? Why are they such an issue for some people? Now, I know some people journal and it, it doesn't bother them. Fantastic. If you're there, great. What I would suggest as I talk through these things is for you to think and be curious about why does it work for you? What things are you doing that make it easy for you to food journal regularly? Just think through that while I'm talking about these different topics. Use them in that way. But I know a lot of you out there listening probably have thought about food journaling and either you've had bad experiences with it or it just feels really hard, feels like something you can't do. I'm going to cover it all today. Now, I think there's common places that we go wrong with food journaling and I wanted to cover them first. So number one is we give the journal power. This is really similar to pretty much any weight loss tool that we use. Scales would be the same thing. We view the tool, the journal, as having power over us, as telling us whether we're good or bad, as telling us if we're going to be successful or not, telling us if we're failing. And then it can feel like that journal is kind of mocking you. Plus, it can feel like it doesn't feel very good to sit down and do the food journal, because why would it? Is there anywhere else in your life that you like to sit down and report back to somebody who has power over you? Probably not, especially as physicians. We like to be in control. And so when we hand control over to something like a journal or a scale or anything else, even a diet plan, you can think of it this way too, that we often hand control over to it and think, well, I'm only successful if I follow this perfectly. I'm only successful if I journal perfectly. I'm only successful if the weight is going down. The scale says it's going down every single day. All of this is diet mentality and it doesn't feel good. It's why diets don't work and why diets aren't the answer. It doesn't feel good. So if you're holding this concept and thinking that the journal, the food journal says something about you, then it's not going to feel good to food journal. Maybe it'll feel good on the days where you think you're doing well, just like it feels good to step on the scale and see the number go down. But it will not feel good on the days where you feel like you didn't do well. You'll feel like you're being judged, but the person that's actually doing the judging is always you. And I think that's really important. It's always your thoughts. And those are optional. You can always change them. It's really important, especially when we're talking about the scale too, the days where you step on the scale and the number stays the same or it goes up a little bit, even though you feel like you've worked really hard, the judging this is not coming from the scale. It's coming from you. It's a collection of thoughts. Those thoughts are always optional. 
You do not have to think those thoughts, even if the scale number goes up. Just consider that. But today we're considering in the concept of the journal is you could have a journal where you write every single thing you eat. You could have it when you're not even trying to lose weight or if you're gaining weight and you're writing everything you're eating and it might be helpful for you because the journal is just data gathering. It does not say anything about you or your success or how well you're doing or what's going to happen in the future. All it does is it gathers data. Okay, number two place where we go wrong is perfectionist tendencies. Super common in physicians is the tendency of it needs to be perfect in order to be worthwhile. Now, this shows up kind of in a couple different ways. Number one is it means if you start planning your food out, it can be you plan kind of overly restrictive things because you're like, okay, what's the best case scenario for me to lose this weight as fast as I can? And then you plan really restrictive food. But then guess what? It's too hard to follow. You hate following it. It doesn't feel good because it's really restrictive. And then you eat off the plan. And probably if you're in the perfectionist thinking, you don't actually record what you ate. And so then you feel frustrated and feel that you're not doing it right. But the core of it, the issue is that perfectionist thinking that creates that over restriction in the planning. Also, the idea that you can only plan or record foods that you quote unquote should be eating if you're losing weight. I want to argue the opposite. In this episode, I want you to think, what if recording and planning the foods that you actually enjoy sometimes so that you know you can record any food, you can plan any food, and it's all okay, it's all part of your journey? How much nicer would that make the journaling feel if you knew that you could plan things? So like for today's example, I had waffles and whipped cream. They're low-carb waffles, but I love them whipped cream and raspberries. And then for lunch, I planned a lettuce wrap burger, which I really like that, plus garlic fries. On my plan, that's what I ate for my lunch. I enjoyed it. It was great. Dinner is a lower carb planned dinner. But if you're holding on to this perfectionist thinking, you'll think I could never put French fries on the plan because I shouldn't be eating French fries if I'm trying to lose weight. What I suggest is think forward. When you picture your life, maintaining whatever weight loss you're aiming for? Do you want to include some of these foods sometimes? If you do, then they should probably sometimes be on your plans now because how you lose your weight is going to be how you need to maintain it with a little bit of wiggle room, but not a lot of wiggle room. So try to design a way of eating an approach to these foods now that works for you, that works for your body, but that also is going to work for you to maintain it long term. And that generally is not a perfect looking food plan. That is sometimes you plan things that don't help your weight loss. But here's the thing, by planning it and by giving yourself that permission and knowing you can plan anything you want on that food plan at any time, that then makes you far less likely to overeat. The way your brain thinks around that and how it views it it makes it so you're far less likely to overeat and you're much more likely for it to just be like, okay, French fries today because I put them on my plan, enjoyed them, and now I move on. Instead of what we also often do when it's not planned and we feel we shouldn't be eating it is you eat it the once and then you get into a bit of a spiral and thinking, well, I never should have eaten that. That wasn't good, blah, 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 blah. And it goes into more eating, okay? Perfectionism 
destroys the benefit of food journals. And that doesn't mean don't ever be a perfectionist because most of you probably are. It just means watch for it. Notice it when it comes up. Work against it. Unravel it a bit. Okay. And then number three, which is kind of linked to the perfectionism, but making it more complicated than it needs to be. I have tried every form of food journaling. I believe that's out there. I have tried all the different apps. I've tried specific food journaling books. I've tried making notes on my phone, everything. And what I've realized is for it to work in a busy physician's life, it has to be easy. And yet we as physicians often overcomplicate things because we want it to be perfect. Maybe we want to record more information than you actually need because we're thinking, well, if this is good, then more is going to be better. And that's only true if more happens consistently. And in the setting of like food journaling and stuff like that, the more you add to it, the less likely it is going to be consistent. So take a step back, let it just be base as easy and as simple as possible. Don't overcomplicate it. So literally what mine looks like is it's on the notes page of my regular planner. And this is good because it actually gets me to use my regular planner and my days do go better when I use that. I write BF for breakfast, what I plan on eating. I don't actually write amounts. I don't write measure macros. I don't do any of that. I haven't found I needed to. Everybody's a little bit different, but if you feel that you're always counting calories and stuff like that, you may want to question, do you actually need to? Or is that extra work that you don't need to do? And then I write below it, lunch, what I plan on eating for lunch. If I'm having a snack, I will write that in, dinner, all that. And then over on the right-hand side, as I go through the day, is I make notes on it. I do a check mark if I eat it as written. I make notes if I eat something differently. And here is the really important piece. If you eat something you didn't plan, that is the place where you want to lean into the food journal and you want to gather data. You want to figure out, okay, what was going on? Sometimes it'll just be, it was just like an equal swap. And then I might not really make many notes. But if it's different, like if I plan something low carb and I eat something more carby or I have extra snacks that I didn't plan, what's most useful to me is not writing down that food, but it's writing down why, what was going on, what was I thinking about, what had my day been like, what do I think the real reason why I chose to veer from my plan is? Was I feeling restricted by the plan? All sorts of different things, but it's letting it be easy And then writing down more information when you eat something off plan. Okay, so those are the three main places where I think we get a little bit wonky with our food journals. And if you identify with these, and if you feel a little wonky with food journals, totally fine. It's all just diet mentality stuff that we've been taught to do. So it's normal that you feel that way, but we're going to work on reprogramming it a little bit, okay? That's what we're going to talk about for the rest of this episode. So to summarize, your food journal's role is to gather data. It's its main role. It gathers data. And the more you put in when you're struggling, the more useful that data will be. And its other role is creating a bit of mindfulness around your eating. So food journals are evidence-based. There's lots of research that people that write down what they eat do better from a weight loss perspective. And the place that that comes up or why it works is it essentially just builds awareness of what you're eating. When you're not writing it down, it's really easy to just have that little bit more, a little bit more, and not really notice it. Our brains edit it really, really well. So by writing it down, it creates 
just awareness and mindfulness bit. And as it becomes more of a habit, you'll notice that when you're about to reach for something else, you'll be thinking, oh, wait, do I actually want to eat this? Like, is this something I want to write down into my food journal or not? And that can be really useful. Again, when it's done in a kind way, not a like, you can't eat that. It's not in your food journal kind of way. That's not helpful. But like, is that actually what I want? I had a good example of this today when I left the gym after working out. My mind was like trying to talk me into going to Wendy's, I think, like go get a drink because I had some time to waste, go get a drink and then maybe get some French fries. And then I was kind of talking to myself, but in my mind, I was like, well, I didn't put that on my food journal and I planned to have French fries at lunch. And then my mind was like, well, you could just not write it down in the food journal. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, so I could. And this is, I think, really helpful is that you can do anything you want. So I absolutely could eat stuff and just not put it on my food journal. Totally a choice. But what I thought through is like, okay, but then it's a pretty slippery slope. Like that pretty quickly erodes the benefit of keeping this food journal regularly that I've been working on. And then that was kind of enough. That gave me the kind of room and space to make that decision to not go get the sneaky French fries that my brain was trying to suggest would be a good idea before going out for lunch to eat more French fries. Brains are so fascinating, aren't they? And then I, you know, went and ran some holiday shopping type errands and stuff until it was time to meet the kids. Anyways, let's troubleshoot. I've got a list of statements that I think some of these might be things you have thought about food journaling, and then I'm going to kind of give you my viewpoint on it and how to approach it. So number one would be, I think I should do a journal, but I just don't get around to it or start it and then I just don't keep it going. Now, if this is you, where you want to look are your thoughts. It's going to be about your thoughts about the food journal and what you're making it mean. Go back to what I was talking about, about giving power to the journal. Chances are that's happening. Or maybe it's that you're making it more challenging than it needs to be. Maybe it needs to become simpler to be able to do it more consistently. The other thing, food journaling is a new habit often. And so it's trying to figure out how do you build that new habit where it just becomes second nature? And the best way is to connect it to something you're already doing. So if it's just you keep forgetting about it, how can you connect the food journal to something you already do? But the first place to look honestly is how you're thinking about the food journal and what you're making it mean. If it fills you with dread, anything like that, then it's thoughts that you need to work on about the food journal. That's where the money's going to be for you. All right, number two is I dread doing any pre-planning. If the idea of pre-planning your food fills you with dread, I hear you, I've been there. (laughs) But here's the thing. Again, it comes down to thoughts. And so the thing to ask yourself is why does the idea of pre-planning your food fill you with dread? Why does it seem so horrible? And probably you come up with an answer of it feels restrictive. I might want to eat different food. Takes too much time. Answers like that would be common. And it really doesn't need to. I think our brains like to tell us that we would do really well with just making our food choices on the fly. And guess what? In general, if you're listening to this podcast, making food choices on the fly probably doesn't serve you. Because making food choices on the fly involve 
the more primitive part of your brain, you're far more likely to be swayed by how you're feeling in the moment, by what food you've recently seen, what's around you. When you're doing a bit of pre-planning, it uses your prefrontal cortex. It's making decisions ahead of time before you have all those different things that might sway you. So thinking from that is that pre-planning is probably a far more effective approach to weight loss than just making food choices on the fly. The other pieces of it, of that like feeling too restricted when you have a plan for your food, then make your plan less restrictive. I personally like to put food on my plan that I don't know if I'm going to eat because that feels really abundant to me. It makes me feel like, you know what? There's so much stuff on this plan that I don't even know if I'm going to be able to eat it all. And that's fantastic. For example, yesterday I had planned a low-carb ice cream bar that I thought, you know what, if I want to eat one later in the day, I'll have one, which are delicious, by the way, in case any of you are thinking that's not a good (laughs) treat. They're really, really good. And I didn't end up eating it. But the idea, as I went through my day, that I knew I could, it was fantastic. I really enjoy having that. Sometimes I'll put wine on my plan and not drink it, or I'll put an evening snack on and maybe not have it if I'm not hungry. All of that creates abundance. Sometimes I would put extras on my lunch, but not necessarily eat them if I'm not hungry. Things like that help with that dread. You don't need to dread a food plan if you know you truly can plan anything in any amount. Because then a food plan becomes not this restrictive thing. You are the one in control of the food plan if you truly believe that. So that's a really good place to work on on your beliefs as well. Okay, number three is I can journal, but as soon as I make a choice off my plan, I stop writing. Now, if that's you, this comes down to the perfectionist thinking that the journal is only good or you're only succeeding if you're following your plan perfectly. What I want to pose to you is that the magic is not in just following a plan perfectly and recording that you followed it perfectly. Honestly, if you can do that easily and keep that going consistently, you probably would not be listening to this podcast. The magic comes from when you eat something off your plan, leaning in and actually journaling more about that. So instead of avoiding writing it down because you feel like that journal should only have things written in it when you're being perfect, you look at that journal as this thing needs to get like messy when I have eaten off my plan because I'm going to try and record as much information as I can in this moment to help myself in the future. Because as you record more data, you will start to notice trends and you'll be like, okay, yeah, there's that. There's that situation again, and it triggered a bit of eating. Okay, how can I work on that next time? Then you try it. You see if it works. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But then you write down more information. Okay, tried this. Didn't find that helpful. What could I try instead the next time? It's that leaning in to our perceived errors, leaning into the times where we struggle. That is what actually makes a difference of do you lose a significant amount of weight and keep it off? Or do you stay on a diet roller coaster? Because as long as you're thinking you should never have difficulties, you should never mess up, you should never quote unquote fail or make mistakes, then you will stay on the diet roller coaster. That thought pattern keeps you on a diet roller coaster. 
versus when you shift the conversation that this is a big journey, this is going to involve trying stuff that I don't know if it's going to work because that's what happens when you reach for big goals. And sometimes as a human being, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to eat stuff that I did not plan. Old habits are going to come back. And what is going to tell the difference between staying on that diet roller coaster where we've all been versus continuing on to those big goals is how you handle it when you make those mistakes. If you assume they are part of the journey, that nothing's gone wrong, that they're supposed to be there, that of course, of course, I'm going to mess up sometimes. Of course, I'm going to overeat sometimes. If you believe that, and then you can be curious when it happens, that is going to get you so much further, so much more quickly, and much more lasting. Because you're going to be understanding the foundations of why some of your eating habits happen. Not necessarily easy, because what that might mean is in a time where you might be emotionally, you know, a little more vulnerable, because often that's when the eating stuff comes up, right? It means putting a pause button, not beating yourself up further, which habit-wise your brain probably will want to do. And shifting the conversation in your mind so you can get curious and record some data about what was actually going on. So it doesn't necessarily feel easy to do that in the moment, but investing a little bit of time in those situations is going to take you so much further than just not writing it down and telling yourself you're going to start again new tomorrow. All right, number four, I don't have time to plan food or to food journal. You got to make it easier. (laughs) If that's how you feel, then I think it probably you're viewing it as more complicated than what it needs to be. When I plan my food in the morning, it literally takes less than two minutes. And then at night, again, less than two minutes to just finish it up, make notes on anything I want to make notes on. It doesn't take a lot of time, but it actually saves a lot of time because then I'm not wandering around going, what am I going to eat for breakfast? Am I going to eat breakfast? I'm not wandering around wondering what I should pack in my lunch. It's two minutes of invested time to make every other food decision throughout the day far more efficient. You will like make that time back and the energy that would be taken making those food decisions in the moment, you make that back so quickly. So food planning, food journaling, when done easily and simply saves you time. It creates time. It really does make your day better because it's one less thing your brain has to think about and contemplate and worry about and wonder about. It's handled. You got it all written down. You know where you're going to get the food from. You don't have to spend more time and kind of keep it rolling in your head so you don't forget to think about it. It's handled. You can download it, move on and focus on other stuff. And that really helps with mental energy strain. It helps with your decision-making capacity through the day because you've done it when you have good amounts of decision-making capacity left over. Okay, so I feel restricted by planning my food or journaling. We've kind of talked about that already, but really the feeling of restriction always comes down to thoughts. It's not the actual food that you're eating that makes you feel restricted. But if a way you're journaling is making you feel restricted, ask yourself, what would make me not feel restricted? How would I need to change this to not feel restricted by it? See what comes up. Chances are it's not that it needs to be crazily different, but maybe it's just a couple other things that you add to it. Maybe you do something like what I was talking about earlier, where you add stuff that you don't know if you're going to eat, but it's there as an option. Maybe you need to plan some days where you eat some of your favorite foods on your plan. You get to decide how you want to work this. 
Number six is I need spontaneity in my eating. Now, if this is you, I totally hear you. This was me for many, many years. Didn't really lose weight during that time, (laughs) or I was up and down during that time. But food was honestly the main place where I got like spontaneous feelings from, especially when my kids were really, really little. I felt like there was no aspect of the rest of my life that could be spontaneous anymore. So I think you could still plan in Food Journal even if you want to be spontaneous. It's just changing your definition of what spontaneous is. Again, your brain probably is telling you spontaneous is good because it's making food decisions in the moment. That might not be consistent with reaching weight loss goals. And so you get to decide which one's more important to you. Is it being spontaneous and always making food decisions in the moment? Or is it finding a combination of pre-planning that still gives you that feeling of spontaneity? So ideas to have spontaneity is maybe some meals in the week you plan as being spontaneous. You leave them blank and you write spontaneous meal. (laughs) And that means, or wild card meal. And it means in the moment you decide whatever you want to eat. It's your choice. That would be one way. Another way would be give yourself options. Like for dinner, be like, either I'm going to eat this or this. And then in the moment, you get to decide what you want to eat. Another option would be like, I'm going to eat this if we eat at home. And if we eat out, we'll go to this restaurant and I'll order this. So it may not be like 100% spontaneous, but it can create more of a spontaneity feeling inside all the other benefits of the food journal and the pre-planning. All right. I hope that helped. I hope that's given you a different outlook on food journaling and hopefully made it feel more manageable and something that could actually be helpful for you long-term. Remember, if you want support in stuff like this, if these things are things you struggle with and you think having that support, somebody walking alongside you and helping you figure out where you're struggling and why, then Stress Eating SOS is probably for you. It's the right program for you if you're a physician who wants to lose weight and sometimes feels out of control around food. So get on the wait list, mark January 18th in your calendar. That's the date it's opening. People on the wait list, I often try and do little extra special things for them. So head over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS to get your name on the wait list. All right, have a fantastic day, guys. We will talk to you later. Bye-bye.